please turn in your New Testaments to Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. We're in an Advent series called When Heaven Came Down. And we move on. Matthew 1, 18. And this is the very Word of God Almighty given to us, the words of truth and life. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary home as your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had already spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife home to be with him. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I'd like to kind of call forth meaning out of this text just through one sentence. And I think you can remember it. And it's certainly about Joseph and what he was going through. And it's certainly about you and I. And the sentence is simply this. Do not fear. Jesus is here. Do not fear why Jesus is here. An angel appeared to Joseph to say, do not fear. Now, I think we need to back it up a, a few frames before our text. Uh, in, in, and if you backed it up before our text, what you would find out is that everything in Joseph's life is just going great. He is so happy. Joseph, as we say in the vernacular, got the girl. He got the girl. And look, he didn't just get the girl. He got the girl. The, the, the book of Luke says that out of the whole world, God chose this girl. So when, I say, when we say Joseph got the girl, we really mean he got the girl. And... Um, Boy, it, he was so happy. I mean, I can just imagine Joseph kind of getting up in the morning and he has breakfast and he steps out of his, his door into his yard to, to head back to his carpenter shop on the, on the street. And, and we can just see him smiling. Can you see him smiling? And, and he just stretches and, and he smiles and he breaks into an ancient Hebrew equivalent of the Rogers and Hammerstein song, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. Or so he thought. 
Life is good. You you know what love, this this love is like. The the flowers are brighter, the grass is greener, the birds sing sweeter. Or so he thought. And then our text. Basically the bottom drops out of this young man's life in a moment. Completely devastated by what happens. So what happens? Well, he has not seen his intended, his fiancée, Mary, for three months. She has been in the Judean hill country with her cousin, Elizabeth, the wife of John the Baptist, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, and she stayed through the birth. And so he hasn't seen her for three months, and, and she comes home, and he looks at her, and he cannot believe what he sees. Mary has a bump. Mary has a baby bump. Mary's definitely pregnant. And he, Joseph, has never, ever been with her in that way. So he is led to have wild imaginings of what might have happened in the Judean hill country or before with his fiancée. And somebody he doesn't know about. And so, what would this shocked and angry young man do with this sudden knowledge that his intended is pregnant? Well, I think kind of we, we need to start by looking at this word betrothal. We need to understand very clearly the difference between ancient betrothal and modern-day engagement. Okay, People today don't get betrothed, they get engaged. And um, an engagement means that you're, you've set a date, you've declared to the world that I'm for you, you're for me, and, and we, we are going to get married... But you know the interesting thing about engagement is not what it is, but, but what can happen in an engagement. Engagements sometimes are broken. You could break an engagement through a text. I would not advise that. But you could. And you know, the authorities wouldn't come after you. You know, you, there, there, would, there would be sadness, there would be upset, etc., but, but you wouldn't... There wouldn't be some huge, huge social thing that would follow you the rest of your life, and you certainly wouldn't go to jail or anything like that. Totally different in ancient Israel. No, when you got betrothed in ancient Israel, it was a formal legal ceremony like a marriage, and it was considered to have equal binding by law power like a marriage. And what would happen is you would get betrothed, and then there would be a waiting period, which Joseph and, and Mary have been in. And then there would be a celebration with friends and family that we would call the, the wedding. And But the big moment was that the, the person would, quote, take his wife home to be with him. The groom would do that, meaning take the wife home to be his, 
to be able to consummate that marriage. And you could do that with just a few friends. You could have that witness and, and take his wife home. Now you kind of understand the words, don't be afraid to take your wife home with you in our text. It's betrothal. This is serious business, y'all. You can't break a betrothal without a legal divorce. That's how serious it is. So, the New Geneva Study Bible notes are real helpful here. It says, as a righteous man, Joseph followed the law of Moses. Having learned of Mary's pregnancy, he was permitted to divorce her on grounds of adultery. If she consented to this charge, she could be divorced privately in the presence of two witnesses. Or if she objected to the charge, or if the husband wanted to expose her to such, she would stand before a court of three rabbis and be divorced publicly. And you know what the maximum sentence for such a thing was? didn't have to be called on. But the maximum sentence that could have been reached for was death. This is serious. And out of love, Joseph kind of decides to divorce her on the down low. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to expose her to shame, public shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. So, you know, Merry Christmas. The Christmas story begins with a crisis pregnancy in, in the eyes of Joseph, who is about to take action. With heartbreak and fear. But I want to call time out on Joseph just for a second. And I want to say to you, and I want you to think with me, as Mary was probably about... 15 or so. And as Brad quoted, may, be it, may it be unto me as you said. And she, by faith, just walked into this thing. And she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit who conceived within her this, this baby. I want you to think for a minute the incredible faith she had. She obviously did not tell Joseph about this before she left to the Judean Hill Country. Basically, what we can surmise from this is Mary decided that God was doing this, that God was calling her to have faith, and that she would just trust God with Joseph. Isn't that amazing? She's just going to trust God with it. And um, she had absolutely no means of proving that God had impregnated her by overshadowing her. And her one refuge was God himself. So, let us go back now to Joseph. It's a very interesting narrative, is it not? Can you imagine the emotional stress that Joseph felt that night as he tried to go to sleep? All of this fear, worry, anger, disappointment. I, I don't know how to describe all his emotions are just swirling in his head. And finally, he goes to sleep. And in the midst of full REM sleep, he sees something in a dream. He sees a shining figure coming toward him. 
And this shining figure addresses him. It is an angel of the Lord. Remember, the angel Gabriel, the the messenger angel of God, was the one God dispatched to meet with the virgin named Mary. We have no reason to think that this was other than Gabriel, who is a formidable, beautiful, formidable angel. Uh, The kind that strike fear. Remember, Mary said, she said she was afraid, wondering what kind of a greeting this was from, from this heavenly being. So this shining being comes to him, and the angel begins to speak with Joseph in the dream. And so Mary's trusting God, and now God is going to handle Joseph, not Mary. Verse 20 in our text, Joseph, son of David. Not unimportant. That's a messianic title. That is reminding us that Jesus will be of the house and lineage of David, both on Mary's side and on Joseph's side. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not fear to take Mary home as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Do not fear, Joseph. And let me tell you, that angel knew exactly where Joseph's fears lived. Do not be afraid to to take her home, to to be married to her, to, to go ahead and follow through on that second part. Do not be afraid, Joseph, because this is from God, and you need to obey God. Do not fear, Joseph. They are going to talk about you. They are going to snicker, but do not fear. They are going to gossip. There is going to be a social stigma attached to you and Mary. But do not fear, Joseph, because this is more important than your reputation in the community. Do not fear, Joseph. And you know, do not fear, don't you think that's a a great sentence for, for you? And me to take into our hearts this Advent season? Can we just like flag that sentence? Do not fear. Because there's a lot of things being feared right now in this holy place. There is more fear per capita if we could just take the cover off of it and see, then, then we would know there is more fear, there is more dreading, there is more concern, there is more worry kind of fear. And uh, that fear weighs you down, doesn't it? That fear kind of throws a wrench into the working of your heart. Could it be that a Christmas gift that the Lord wants to give you is to take that wrench of fear out of your heart. Wouldn't that be a great gift from God this Advent? So first we have this for Joseph, do not fear. And then the second part answers, why? Do not fear. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this, we read, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. 
Behold, see, the virgin shall conceive. Like an oxymoron, right? Like not possible. No. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and they shall give him the name Emmanuel, verse 25, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife home, but he knew her not. He did not come together with her physically until she had given birth to a son, and he called his son the name Jesus. Okay, stop right there. Rewind the tape. Back up. Listen to me. Focus on something. I'm going to tell you. You're hard-pressed to find a description of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, of the true identity and the uniqueness of Jesus Christ more than Matthew 1, right out of the blocks. We got the full-on gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and here it is. It just doesn't get much better than this. Who, who, is, the, who is this person who, who's coming into the world? He is Jesus, born of a virgin, Emmanuel. He's Jesus, born of a virgin, Emmanuel. Um, she shall bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. Why? What's Jesus mean? Well, the Old Testament word is Joshua. That's a very common name among Israelites. But here's the reason God said for day, uh, Joseph to, to name this child Jesus. It means Yahweh saves. God saves. You call his name Jesus, and then in the text it tells why. Because he shall save his people from their sins. So right off the bat, we have Jesus equals Savior. Y'all got that? Call his name Yahweh saves because he will save. He alone. He's the one. He will save his people from their sins. And then it says this fulfills Isaiah 7-4, if you want to know where that comes from in Isaiah. And it starts with these words, this will be a sign to you. Meaning, this is how you'll know he's the one. Here's the, the, the sign, big neon sign, this is the one. When, when you see this, this is the one, behold, a virgin shall conceive. What an incredible statement. Virgins don't conceive. The Old Testament says this is how you'll know he's the one. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Okay? Jesus is unique in all. And among anybody that's ever been born, Jesus is different. He is born of a virgin. He is not born through an earthly husband. Jesus, this is the reason he does not have a sin nature. This is the reason he is fully human and yet without sin, therefore qualified to be the Lamb of God without spot or blemish, to be able to be the one that saves us. The virgin birth is important. If anyone tells you it doesn't matter if Jesus was born of a virgin or not, that seems kind of weird, that seems kind of miraculous, and I'm not sure I'm going to believe all that, then you don't have Jesus. You don't have the Isaiah 7-4, and you don't have the sign, and I don't know who that was born, but he certainly didn't save if he wasn't born of a virgin. And they call him Emmanuel. This is the difference. What does Emmanuel mean? It says right in our text, Emmanuel means this, God is with us. So, man, you just don't get much better 
in, in, in terms of the uniqueness and wonder of Jesus. He is the Savior who will save his people from their sins, who is uniquely born of a virgin as the sign of his authenticity, who is God is with us. You know, God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave a rule book and a prophet. No, that's another popular religion today in the Middle East. God so loved the world that he gave a rule book and a prophet. Nope, that's not what the Bible says about this unique son of God. God so loved the world that he sent a representation of himself to show what niceness and, and, and really kindliness means, just a representation of himself. Nope. Nope, that's what most of the ancient heresies in the ancient world said that deviated from what this text says about the uniqueness of Jesus. No, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Meaning, God so loved the world that he himself came down. He came down into our situation before a three times holy God unable to change our spots of self-orientation, selfishness and sin, God himself came down into our helplessness to save us. Jesus is Savior. Yahweh saves. And he is Emmanuel. Jesus the Savior is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Now, last week we looked at and Lee preached on the idea of God left heaven. This week it is heaven came down. Jesus is here, you see. Do not fear. Jesus is here. Heaven came down. We can't go to heaven. We can't climb to heaven on our good works or any rule book or anything any prophet says. So heaven came down. God who saves, born of a virgin, God with us. And if you have Jesus, if you've put your trust in him, you are, quote, one of his people. He shall save his people. Those who will believe is what that means. Jews and Gentiles alike, he will save his people from their sins. That's the whole gospel. That's the whole gospel just right out of the starting blocks in Matthew. Breathe this in. And this, this, is, this is just so Advent, so Christmas. You know, this, this is Christmas theology. Trust in Jesus, who is Emmanuel. Don't trust in your, your own good works. Don't trust in your own religion. I don't care what religion it is. Don't trust in it. Put your trust in the Savior who is God, who came down to save us and did for us what he could accomplish and we never could, and that is to save his people from their sins. The reason for the do not fear in this great sentence that we just want to imbibe, do not fear, Take that in. Just do not fear. Let that be a theme for you this Advent. Don't fear. It's because Jesus is here. You know, in, in Luke's gospel, um, have you, did you notice the difference between Luke's story and Matthew's story? In Luke's gospel, it's told from Mary's viewpoint. 
Matthew's gospel is told from Joseph's viewpoint. And in Luke's gospel, man, we, we've got the whole thing about the angel Gabriel comes, and then we go to Elizabeth's house, and, and then there's the census that Caesar Augustus said, and then we go down on a donkey with a pregnant wife, and then we don't have room in the inn, and, you know, then we have the birth, then we have the shepherds, then we have the angel. And we've got a lot of details in Luke's perspective. It all ends with Mary pondering these things in, in her heart, right? Not so with Matthew's gospel. Told from the perspective of Joseph, his fiance is pregnant. What will he do? He's going to divorce her. Woe, Joseph, do not fear. Do not be afraid to take home your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And um, what's really cool about Joseph, I mean, about uh, Matthew's gospel is you think, well, Matthew's gospel is kind of inferior to that incredible story in Luke. No, it's not. It's in Matthew's gospel that the most just full-on, full-orbed Christology, this description of who Jesus really is, is. Matthew's gospel is a little more Joe Friday, you know, it's like just the facts, ma'am. You know, it's like she got pregnant, he, God said stop, and then you will call him Jesus Born of a virgin, Emmanuel. And then it says, he took her home, and she, it's, it's real nondescript, took her home and she had the baby. And he named him Jesus, meaning it, it's happened. All this, this high-soaring theology has now penetrated earth in this child. It has happened. And Jesus is here. Now, I quote to you from a Christmas carol that kind of puts together God left heaven and heaven came down. Most of you know this. It goes like this. Christ by highest heavens adored. Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail, thou incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Pleased as man on earth to dwell, Jesus, call him Jesus, our Emmanuel. Do not fear. I'm talking about you. If you have Jesus, you have the forgiveness of sins. If you have Jesus, you have the presence of God himself in your life. By the Holy Spirit. If you have Jesus, you have the good plans of God being unfolded through your life by faith. If you have Jesus, there is nothing higher than Jesus that can threaten you. If you have the one who is God, who is your Savior through the forgiveness of sins, you can trust Him with whatever is going bump in the night in your life. I didn't say he'd take that out. I said he'd take the wrench of fear out. We translate that to 
He's here and I know Him. And I have the forgiveness of sins. And I'm going to ask Him to be greater in my life than my fear. So let's come to this table with Christmas theology. Okay? Which is the same as Easter theology. (laughs) Because, you know, this table says, this table isn't about a manger, is it? This table says that one named Jesus acted out on his name and submitted to have his creatures nail him to a cross. And the curse of the law in which we are cursed and can never know the one true and holy God, because of the curse, the curse was nailed to the cross when Jesus was nailed to the cross. And he broke the curse. And he rose from the dead. And y'all, he gives life and forgiveness and Holy Spirit and peace with God and assurance through fear to anybody who will ask to have him. Do not fear. See it? Jesus is here. Bring your fears to this table, to Jesus, the risen Emmanuel, who is with you by faith. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we are so grateful. If you've never put your trust in what Jesus, Emmanuel, born of a virgin, has done for you in a perfect life and in his death on the cross, and you see it, you see it as sheer gift at such cost to him, and you want Christ, pray with me, Lord, I see it, and I want to turn from everything that I have called Christianity. I want to turn from everything that I have called religion, and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross and in the empty tomb. Thank you that even now, even now my sins are forgiven because you broke the curse. Even now you have come into my life by the Holy Spirit. Even now you will lead me. Even now I can have faith and confidence in your name. And I know that I can do that the rest of my life because you'll never leave me or forsake me. Lord, many of us have known you for a long time and the phantoms of our fears gain such towering immensity in our hearts in our minds and we are bound and shackled by our fears would you turn with me Jesus, God with you, Jesus, take me back to the cool, clear headwaters of your grace that I might drink anew and that you might dispel my fears because you are God himself with me. Give me peace. Let that peace be reconnected that peace with God that we now have through Jesus.
as You have brought us into this grace in which we now stand. Let us stand in grace this morning. Lord, as we stand in grace and in Your love, would You begin to move those fears off of center stage? And would You allow us to give those fears to You? Do not fear. Jesus is here. Amen.